Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. everybody. Welcome back to the Bad Broadcast. Do I sound cranky? Probably. You want to know why? Because this is attempt number 15 at recording this intro. Literally 15. I have been doing this job for now seven months and I can't figure out how to do an intro. I really thought it would get easier with time and it just hasn't. But either way, this is what we're going with. So I hope this one sticks. Welcome back to the Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie. Happy Monday. Happy day after Valentine's Day. Well, by the time this comes out, it will be the day. Why do I always explain that to you guys? Every time I'm like, happy Monday, but I'm not recording on a Monday. Like, obviously, you guys know that I don't record this live and that I do it beforehand. Not not interesting. And I probably don't need to keep telling you guys that. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day. And we're going to continue the love train because today's episode is all about love and we're getting into the nitty gritty of some fictional couples and some love advice, breakup advice. We're just going to we're going to talk about that. Next week, my episode with my brother Chad, who is known to most people as Lord Birthday, that will be coming out next week. I think I put on my Instagram story that it was coming out this week, but it was a very long episode. It was amazing. It was super fun to record, but it was just taking longer to edit than we thought. So that will be coming out next week. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Also, we had a merch launch this last week. I don't like calling it merch. I just, I don't know what else to call it. Like I just, I don't have another name for it. So uh, sweatshirt launch. You guys know what I mean. It was our butter love design that me and my new friend, Sierra, who's an amazing graphic designer who runs her own business called Femme Decal. We designed it. We designed the Bad Broadcast sticker pack and the crewnecks are sold out, but there are still t-shirts and stickers left on my website, thebadbroadcast.com. So go grab some if you want. And just a reminder about subscribing, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. And you can sign up for the Patreon if you want to. This week's episode, we will, this week's Patreon episode, excuse me, we will be talking all about Britney, the Britney documentary. We're going to get, we're going to get into it. And I am very excited for that. But first, before we begin this episode, I need to tell you guys a Dum Dum Club submission that really, I don't think I've ever recovered from. I I haven't. I mean, I read it a little bit ago and I keep thinking about it and I really just, I cannot let it go. So 
We all know the word amphitheater, right? Raise your hand if you say the word amphitheater, like how I'm saying it, amphitheater with a P noise. You guys, the word is amphitheater with a f -f -f ph like an F noise. Amphitheater. Look it up. I didn't want to believe it. I resisted this for a long time after I read this submission. It's amphitheater. I mean, I probably won't ever say that because that's a terrible word to say. It's actually really hard to say amphitheater, but that is the correct word. And I will be shocked if the majority of you guys have not been saying amphitheater with a P because I've literally never, ever, ever heard it any way else. But that's what the Dumb Dog Club is here for, to learn, to teach us all. I also want to tell you guys something insane that happened to me this weekend. This will be a repeat story for some of you that watched my live with Abby, Abby Ayers. I did a car date with her and she asked me a bunch of questions. It was so fun and she was such a delight. But she, I was late to this car date that we had planned because of the most, I truly think it's, it's maybe one of the weirdest things to ever happen to me. So Friday night, I am getting ready for this car date with Abby and it's like 4.15, 4.20, please it. And... I hear down across the hall from me. So we live in an apartment complex, obviously, and it wasn't the door right across from me, but it was just like to the right. So it's still like still pretty much across the hall from me. I hear yelling and I'm like, okay, somebody's just in a fight. Like sometimes we just hear people in the hall or like kids running up and down or whatever. So I just hear a, a guy's voice yelling and I'm like, what in the world? So then I hear him yelling, U.S. Marshal open up. We know you're in there. That's what he's yelling at the door at, in the hall. That's what he's yelling at the door. He is yelling, U.S. Marshal, we have a warrant. Come out now. We know you're in there. And so I panic. You know, like when you see a cop and you just have to go through in your mind, like, have I done anything illegal? Like, are they going to come into my house and find something that, uh, you know, like, I have I broken a law? It's like when you go to a store and you don't buy anything and you walk out and you're like, okay, act like you didn't steal anything. Act like you didn't steal anything, even though you didn't actually steal anything. That is the feeling that I got. So I panic, like, like this situation is at all about me. But of course, I made it about me. So I'm terrified. I grab all my stuff and I sneak out the our back door. We have like a back sliding door that we can you can go up and around. So I sneak out because I hear them breaking down the door of my neighbor. Like they have one of those big metal like I don't know, post things that you that they were shoving against the door to break it to break it open. And I thought at first like it was so loud and it was so scary. I thought it was a gunshot. I really did. I was like, that is that is too loud to not be a gunshot. So I get all my stuff. I open my sliding door. I sneak out. Why did I think that sneaking out of my apartment would be a good look? Like if they had any other people like around the property, like looking for anybody, I would have looked so suspicious. I had on black sweats, a, a huge black hoodie and a beanie. I was like, I look like a criminal. Like I had a, I had criminal energy for sure. So I sneak out the back door. I walk up around our building. I get into our parking garage so I can get into my car. And I'm sitting in my car and I FaceTime Matt. I am acting like I have just been, you know, I have just been traumatized, which in all fairness, I literally had been. 
So I call Matt, I'm bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, there's a guy getting arrested, our neighbor, I don't know our neighbor, by the way, like, I think some of you guys asked me that, like, do I know him? Have I met him? Have I seen him? No, I don't even know who lives right next door to me. And our doors are literally four inches apart. I don't know any of my neighbors. So I'm calling Matt. I'm telling him that, like, I think I heard a gunshot. They were breaking down the door. I don't know what to do. And I left tofu. I left our cat. Like, I don't know. Should I go back for him? I don't I don't know what I thought was happening. I don't know why I thought I was in danger or why I thought tofu would be in danger. But I just abandoned him. I was calling Matt. I was like, do you think that I am the worst cat parent ever because I just left tofu and these guys are breaking down the door and our neighbor is getting arrested. So Matt comes home and we park right outside of our apartment building and we're watching. It's it's like full. It was the U.S. Marshal. Like it wasn't the the Salt Lake City police. It was the U.S. Marshal. So everything was undercover. So around our whole apartment, there were unmarked like minivans that were pulled up like on the lawn, on the front thing, whatever waiting for this guy to come out. So all of the lights are on. There are guys with like drug dogs. I don't know if they're drug dogs or bomb dogs or whatever they are walking around our apartment complex. There are nine, we counted nine men with assault rifles outside of our apartment and in the hall because, okay, so we're sitting there. I don't even know if this story is making sense, but it's just, it was a chaotic few hours. So Matt and I are sitting in my car. He pulls up, gets in my car. We're just staring at our building, watching these guys walk around, seeing the unmarked car. I'm like, they've got to be bringing him out soon. If they arrested somebody, like they've got to be bringing him out. So we wait, we wait, we wait. We don't see anything. And I'm like, I really think that we should go back in and check on Tofu. He's probably so confused. And like, I then got worried that I maybe left the sliding door open and then he ran away. So we park and we go back up and we look down our hall, like we we peek down our hall, more guys with assault rifles, all undercover. Every single one of them was undercover. We see our like building manager or like our front office manager. I don't really know what she does. And we were like, yo, what's going on? And she was like, we literally didn't know about this until five minutes before they've made an arrest and everybody is safe, that nobody was hurt in anything. And you can just like go into your apartment. I was like, cool, cool, cool. So you just want me to walk through this group of like, you know, assault rifles. All right. Yeah, no problem. So we walk through and Matt's like, hey, everything okay? Like, obviously not everything's okay. And they're like, yeah, we made an arrest. And now we have to collect evidence. So I spent the next however long looking up Salt Lake arrest records. But here's the thing. He wasn't arrested by the Salt Lake PD. He was arrested by the U.S. Marshal, which means it's a federal crime. Some of you will remember that last week in my main lobby, I saw blood and I thought, this is my this is my calling. I'm about to solve a crime. And I, I don't know if the two are connected. I, I don't know. I mean, they're realistically probably not because the blood I saw in my front hall was like definitely from a bloody nose or like maybe a paper cut. There was like four drops. But either way, I have no clue what my neighbor did. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. I mean, I know his address because it's my address, but that is all I know. And that is all that happened. And now Matt and I keep walking past that door. It's completely busted down because they broke it open. And we could like, like, I'm thinking that I could push it open and look inside like if I wanted to, but I'm obviously very scared of that. But it was wild. It was so scary. It was so scary. 
like I I probably over uh, okay I probably overreacted you know I'm like I'm telling the story and yeah I probably overreacted but it was just scary to hear U.S. Marshal open up we have a warrant we know you're in there followed by several minutes of loud banging noises it just really shook me up tofu was fine we walked in and tofu was sound asleep just had no clue what was going on but I was really worried about the judgment of Matt like he was going to think that I don't deserve to take care of a cat because in a crisis I abandoned him but here's where my mind went my mind went okay so they're arresting a guy what if he runs and he breaks into somebody else's apartment if I'm in here I'm screwed But if Tofu's in here, like Tofu would probably be safe. Like he would hide. And it felt safer to leave him there than to try and pick him up and take him outside because he would probably get scared of that and jump out of my arms. So in my defense, I think I made the right decision. But either way, it was weird and scary. And I still have no information. I still have no information because I don't don't know his name. Everybody was like, oh, you just look up his name and his record. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know his name. I think I know his first name, but I couldn't really tell what they were yelling through the door. So that was my weekend. That was my uh, run in with the law, if you will. But now it's time to talk about something a little more cheerful, and that is love. It is the day after Valentine's Day, and I think that the whole month of February is just very love-themed. And I personally have always loved Valentine's Day and not for like romantic reasons. I think before I met Matt, I had like one Valentine's Day that I had a boyfriend. I was mostly single all the time, but my mom always made Valentine's Day very special. It was like it kind of had like Easter energy, you know, where we woke up, we had like a little basket of candy and a note and a special breakfast. I just always really liked Valentine's Day. So I like things that give you a chance to express how much you love the people in your life. I feel the same way about Christmas. I feel like that's the point of Christmas is to tell those you love that you love them. So I want to start off this love episode with some discussion about fictional couples. And of course, I have to start with the one I get the most questions about, which is Jim and Pam. You guys know that I don't really like Pam that much. I have said it in several episodes and I get asked about why. And I've had some very in-depth, thoughtful conversations with people about the reasons behind why I hate Pam. So my initial reason, I don't like that when Pam gets into art school and Jim is so laid back and easygoing about it. And she's like, you know, I got to move to New York. And he's like, it's cool. It's fine. I'll come visit you. You visit me. It's not a big deal. This is your dream. Go do it. And then when Jim gets the opportunity to chase his dream in Philly, she's like, excuse me, how dare you, how dare you chase your dream? But I get it. I know what so many of you are saying out there. When Jim wanted to do it, they had two kids at home and Pam had to do everything by herself. You're absolutely right. Okay, you're absolutely right. She had every reason to resist him pretty much moving to a different city while she is a working full-time mom of two. So yes, I do understand that. I just, I don't know, Pam just rubs me wrong. And I think another reason behind that is because I really like Karen. I think that Karen is a very cool character. I I like, I like her. I like her a lot. I think her and Jim would have been a much better couple. Pam, here's the thing about Pam. You know what happens to people like Pam in real life? They usually end up with guys like Roy. Like that's usually what happens. And I just think that Pam, she didn't, you know, capitalize on a lot of her opportunities with Jim. She kept him hanging on. I don't like that she clearly did like him in the beginning. I mean, it was obvious. Like, they flirted all the time. 
But then when she was confronted with that, she was like, no, I've never, I've never done that. I'm sorry if you misread things. Like, no, if you lead somebody on, you know, if she was like strictly friends with him and then he was like, but go out with me. And she was like, no, we're just friends that I get. But they obviously were super flirty and liked each other a lot. And then when she got called out on it, she like totally gaslit Jim. Like, hey, uh, you must have just totally misread our friendship. You mean the world to me. Like, no, when you when you spend that much time with somebody and when you're saying having the conversations that they were having and expressing the things that they were, we all knew they were in love. And for some reason, we have all written that up as like super cute and like we all love that they had this unspoken thing for years. But I don't think we realize how toxic that probably was. And in the end, they end up together. Roy ends up doing great. You know, he starts his gravel company and he marries that hot lady, Laura. So Roy's fine. Karen's fine. But I don't know. Jim and Pam just aren't it for me. They just aren't it. And my personal favorite office couple is Michael and Holly. Also Kevin and Lynn. Two great couples that came out of the office that I love. Next up, my favorite, 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 favorite 90s TV couple. Just for those that think I'm about to say Ross and Rachel, I'm not. I don't watch Friends. I don't know anything about them. I don't know if they were on a break. I don't know. But my favorite 90s TV couple was Corey and Topanga. I love Topanga. I love Corey. I I think that they are one of the best TV couples of all time. Let me tell you a fun fact about Corey and Topanga. So they you know, we're together all through junior high, high school, they ended up getting married. The episode where it's their wedding night, and Topanga is like laying in bed, and Corey like jumps into bed with her, and they start making out. And then a few episodes later, Topanga is pregnant. For like my whole adolescence, the whole time between when I watched that episode until when I was actually told the facts, I thought that you just had to make out to make a baby. I thought that was the only thing you needed to do. I was like, that's all Corey and Topanga did. I don't get it. Like all they did was make out. That's all we saw. And then she was pregnant. Like, obviously that's what you have to do. And you guys, I don't know who needs to hear this, but that is not, that's not how babies are made. It's not by making out. And if your children are listening, just now's the time to let them know. (laughs) Now's the time. I think I said this in a past episode where I was like, I'm going to do an episode where I tell I teach your kids hard topics so you don't have to like I'm going to record myself doing the birds and the bees talk. And you can just play it for them. That would be hilarious. So yeah, Corey and Topanga. I love I love Topanga how she is a total weirdo, total weirdo. And Corey just loves her. I think that they're a great example of a healthy, young couple. I never watched Girl Meets World. They're uh, they're spinoff. But I did meet Corey, a.k.a. Oh, what's his name? Ben Savage. Not to be confused with Fred Savage. Ben Savage. I met him at Hamilton. When I went and saw Hamilton like three years ago in L.A., he was there with his mom and he asked me to take a picture of him and his mom. And I was like, sure. Can I get a picture with you? And he was like, why do you want a picture with me? And I was like, oh, no, is this not Corey Matthews? And then I just like stared at him and he was like, no, I'm just kidding. You totally can. So he was he was a nice guy. Uh, looks the exact same. I mean, literally the exact same since like season two of Boy Meets World, but very, very great guy. Love that couple. Next up on my list, Andy Dwyer and April Ludgate. This is the couple that I would say is the closest to me and Matt. 
I mean, obviously there are some differences, but some things that Andy does remind me so much of Matt. And then when April gets really whiny and like negative and (laughs) talks about Satan, (laughs) I just feel, I feel like they're a good mix. Not a whole lot to add, but I just love Andy and April. I really like them. Okay. Next up, Meredith and Derek from Grey's Anatomy. I am deep, 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 deep into a Grey's Anatomy rewatch. I think I've watched like the first nine seasons before, but then I fell off the wagon. So then I started back from the beginning a few months ago and now I'm, I don't even know where I am. I think I'm on season seven. You guys know that it's an absolute journey getting through every single episode of Grey's Anatomy, but Meredith and Derek, I like them. The part I'm at right now for all my Grey's Anatomy watchers, I am at the part where they are doing the Alzheimer's trial and like Adele just got diagnosed. And so they're working on that. I quite like Meredith and Derek. I like that a lot of episodes show them fighting. I mean, you can't really deny that Grey's Anatomy has some really good writing. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on the air for like the 30th season like it is. I like the actors. I really like Patrick Dempsey. I like what's her head, Ellen Pompeo. Maybe some of it, you know, in the early days wasn't as healthy as I would have liked to see. But let me tell you the the couple that I hate on Grey's Anatomy. Well, I shouldn't say the couple that I hate because I really like Callie. You know who I hate? Arizona. I hate Arizona. She is so toxic. I'm sorry. I know we're like throwing a word around the word toxic lately. Like it, whatever. I don't like Arizona. I think that she is mean. I think that she puts herself first always. I just don't like her. I don't think that she's a very good girlfriend. I don't think think that she's a very nice person. Like I'm thinking back to this one point in the show where Arizona is getting mad at Callie. I'm pretty sure it's the shooter episode where she's like, you fall in love with everybody. How can I even trust that you're in love with me? Because you fall in love with everybody. Your heart is too big and you love too many people. And she's like berating her for being in love with people before they dated. I just find Arizona not interesting and very mean. And maybe she gets better in the later seasons. I don't really know. And I don't remember because I haven't seen these later seasons in forever. But every time she interacts with Callie, I'm like, you're mean. You are mean to her. You're mean to Mark. I don't like it. Okay, let's let's move along. Grey Worm and Missande from Game of Thrones. This is an iconic couple, a side couple, but iconic nonetheless. Also, two very hot people. They are some of the most underrated hotties in the entire Game of Thrones saga. Okay, but I do quite like them. Masande is so hot. She is. She's so hot. I put Ron and Hermione on here. I'm not really sure why. I think that everybody's kind of poking holes in Harry Potter lately and seeing all of the problematic things that it does. Ron and Hermione are just like whatever for me. Like they're just they're a couple. I, I don't consider them goals in any way. But I know that they're a love story for a lot of people. Okay, we got to talk about Noah and Allie from The Notebook. Here's the thing about Noah and Allie is that everybody thinks that them ending up together is super romantic because we are kind of told that the reason they're not together is because Allie's parents want her to marry someone rich. And then she finds love with Noah and he's poor and like against all odds, they end up together. I think the part that people are missing is that Noah and Allie are not a good couple. How about the the first time that Noah asks Allie out? He's hanging on that thing, on the Ferris wheel. 
begging her to say yes, like pretty much threatening her to say yes. And then throughout their entire relationship, I seriously, now that I'm talking about this and how often we saw Noah and Allie fighting and that we thought that it was like the cutest thing ever, like they were just so passionately in love that they couldn't help but fight and yell and slam doors. Like that's what messed us all up. That's why we all had terrible boyfriends when we were 19, because we thought that Noah and Allie was a normal relationship. They are so mean to each other. Not to mention that Noah, or sorry, Allie had Lon. Lon, James Marsden, fresh from the army, obviously probably had money because her parents liked him. Nice as can be. How would you not go to Lon? I think that sometimes young relationships get it confused. And they think that chaos in a relationship means passion. I thought that when I was younger, like I thought if I was fighting with a boyfriend really bad, it was like cute. Part of me thought that was romantic. Oh, I want to die thinking about that now. I genuinely did think that I thought that it meant that we really loved each other. Like if we were willing to fight, then we were worth it. We, We were worth fighting for. Like, no, If you are slamming doors in each other's face every single day, no, no, it's not, it's not cute. It's not cute. It's not a good look. If you have a boyfriend who yells at you consistently, it's not because he loves you a lot. It's not because he's passionately in love with you. Okay. It's because he's a dick. That's what's going on. All right. A couple, maybe this is a hot take, a couple that I don't like. I don't like Han Solo and Princess Leia. I don't like Han Solo very much anyway. I think that Han Solo is just kind of a douche. Like I think that he thinks he's a lot funnier and cooler and hotter than he actually is. And Princess Leia is absolutely amazing. And I think that she kind of settled when she chose Han. So I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go over with you guys. We don't talk a whole lot of Star Wars on this show, but we recently did a huge Star Wars marathon. So I felt like I needed to add them in. Next couple we need to talk about is Jack and Rose from Titanic. I just did a Patreon episode about Titanic and I watched a lot of things about Jack and Rose and the ending and all of that and why Jack had to die at the end. I don't know if I should say spoiler alert because the movie has literally been out for 30 years, but we just talk about their relationship and why it had to end the way that it did. I like the character of Rose at the end, at the beginning, which I think is obviously the point at the beginning. You're not really supposed to like her. She kind of has this like this arrogance about her. But then when she meets Jack, he kind of brings her down to earth. They fall in love. And then you end up really admiring the this character that Rose has become. And I like them. I think that's that's a great thing about love and finding your, the love of your life. And what I like most, no, I shouldn't say what I like most, but a component that I do like about Jack and Rose is that obviously at the end, Jack dies. And we find out later that Rose moved on. She married a guy. She had a family. And I like the notion of there not being one soulmate. I think that that isn't true. I don't think that there's only one person that you can fall in love with. But there are people that you can fall in love with in love with that will change you in really great ways. Matt and I talk about this all the time. And this is, I don't know if this is personal. Honestly, I don't know what my boundaries are anymore with this podcast. But Matt and I talk about this all the time about like people that we had dated or people that we had fallen in love with. And I know that it seems like you want your significant other to never love another person before they meet you. Like I know that that's that's what you want. You want to be somebody's only love or first love or last love or whatever. But Matt and I talk about all the time how the people that we were with before 
really did make us who we are today and how grateful we feel for each other's past relationships. You know, like I feel grateful that Matt went through what he did because it made him who he is today. And I feel grateful for people that I dated or liked or fell in love with or whatever in the past because I feel like they each taught me like a little piece of myself. And then when I met Matt and I was ready to get married and I was ready to fall in love with him, I felt like a more complete person because the people that I had dated had taught me so much about myself. And that mentality has helped me like forgive a lot of things in my past, people who hurt me or people who, I don't know, who just put me through really hard times. I look back on that and I'm, I feel like I'm not trying to BS you guys and I'm not trying to be like, you should be grateful for your trials in life because I don't think that's true. And I'm not saying anything like everything happens for a reason and you needed to get hurt to be able to find the one you love. But I just try and look at it like, oh, that person that I dated, I remember learning this about myself. And I'm really happy that I learned that about myself because that is still part of me today. I feel like every boyfriend that I had, like had one version of me and then now that I am in my relationship and my marriage, I am now every version of myself with Matt. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, but that has helped me. That has helped me forgive a lot of things that I did not think I would be able to. So I like that Rose does that. I like that Rose has her soulmate in Jack and loses him and then is able to kind of take what she learns from him and move forward into a very fulfilling life. So there's your lesson for Maddie. And while we're on the topic, oh, wait, I have to tell you guys my favorite, my favorite fictional couple of all time. My, my king and queen absolutely are Aragorn and Arwen from Lord of the Rings. They're my favorite. They are my favorite fictional couple. I love Aragorn. If you need to pick me up, Please just look up the, the the three second shot of Aragorn opening up the doors at Helm's Deep and you will not recover and you will see why he is my favorite. <laughs> I love them. Okay, now I want to talk about some love questions. So you guys had some questions for me and last week we did like a whole advice column, but I did just want to answer a few of these that were mainly focused on relationships and love. And again, I don't know if I have all the answers. I don't, I I mean, I shouldn't say that I don't know. I know that I don't have all the answers and some of my advice maybe won't resonate with you, but all I can do is talk about my experience and how I, how I feel about these things. So the first question that I was asked was, how do I see red flags in my relationship? Everybody else sees them, but I don't. Something you have to remember when you're in love is that a lot of times logic goes out the window. A lot of times you are not able to see the reality of what's going on in front of you because you love the person that's doing them. However, I think that it's really important to listen to the people who love you and also go to therapy, 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 therapy. I just think that it's good to have a non-biased person telling you what they think of your relationship, but also listen to the people who you love and trust because they know you better than anybody. They see those things. I also think it's important to be honest with your friends who are in relationships and what you're seeing and give them feedback. And I'm not saying criticize every single thing in their relationship, but talk to them and always make sure that you're there for people because a lot of times your friends will get into relationships and they will be in toxic relationships and they will cut off their friends because either they're too wrapped up in their current relationship or they're embarrassed or whatever. And I think it's important as a friend to stay close to them and leave that door open because 
the minute that they feel isolated or they feel like they don't have friends, that's when they're going to cling on to that unhealthy person in their life. So if they know, even if they've, even if they haven't called you in a year, I think that all of 2020, we should just get, is amnesty the right word? I saw a tweet about this friendship amnesty. Like, oh, we haven't talked in a year. That's totally fine. Door's still open. Make sure you're there for people who are in bad relationships because they are going to need you at some point. And I know that it's hard to stay friends with somebody who isn't putting the effort in, but just be there for them because that makes all the difference for people who need to get out of those relationships. So listen to those that love you, go to therapy, and also keep the communication lines open with your friends. Next question you guys had or somebody had. I broke up with my boyfriend because of long distance. How do I keep from going back to him if I don't hate him? Well, another thing that we talked about last week is that we think that the only reason you should ever break up with somebody is because there's bad blood or because something bad happened or something toxic happened or somebody cheated. Those are not the only reasons to break up with somebody. Just like how if you love somebody, that's not the only reason you should have to marry them. A lot of things in love and marriage and long-term relationships are just logistics, are just like, can we make this work? Some people can make long distance work and it's no problem. But if the the logistics of it are not working for you, that's an okay reason to break up. But if you want to make it work, you absolutely can. And I say that thing about how love, you know, isn't enough for a marriage. I learn that more and more every day. And it seems like a depressing notion. Like love is not enough. Love is not enough. But it's just so much of long-term relationships and marriage are like, are just the facts of it. Like, do we want, can we make this work? Do we want the same things here? Do we agree on this? Are we going to run our finances the same? Like a lot of people love each other and can't make it work. So if the only reason that you're not with somebody is because of the long distance, you just have to decide if that is an actual deal breaker for you. Because if just your mind is saying, no, we're long distance, we can't be together but we still really want to be together, then be together. But if it's really not working and that's not the type of relationship that you want, then yeah, it's okay to break up with somebody on good terms. It's okay to still love somebody if the logistics are not there. You don't have to stay in that relationship. Okay, next one. She says, I'm in the classic. I think I might like a guy I've been friends with for three years scenario. SOS. I, this happened to me and I married him. I married him. When people are like, I don't want to ruin our friendship. Ruin it. Who cares? Ruin the friendship. Ruin the friendship. If you think it might be worth it, any mature adult should be able to keep a friendship after a breakup. I'm not one of those people, so don't ask me how to do that. But I just say go for it. Just ruin the friendship. Friendships are lame. Love is cool. Somebody asked me what my worst breakup was. Oh, my worst breakup. My worst breakup. So I... Again, I never know how many details to share, but I I don't know. So my worst breakup was with somebody who I was with for a long time, like a long, like off and on for a really long time. And this person that I was with was really invested in like commitment. Like he was very interested in committing and getting engaged and getting married. And it just, I wasn't there. And I knew that I did not like him as much as he said he liked me. And I was very ambivalent about it. Like I was just, I never, I I was not good. I, I don't know if I've told this story before, if I've even talked about this, but I was not a good girlfriend or person or however I handled it was just immature and not good. But I, I kept him around because I knew that he liked me and I knew that he would, he would stick around even if I was off doing who knows what. 
And I have grown since then, thankfully. And I can look back and say that I know that I wanted him around because I was insecure and it helped my ego. It helped my ego that somebody was there who liked me a lot. And I wish I had learned that earlier. But I knew I knew that I didn't want anything long term with him. But I just I kept I kept it. I kept it going. So then we broke up and he ended up getting another girlfriend and it like crushed me. It crushed me. I could not even explain how it felt that like he liked somebody else. Like it was purely just because of selfish reasons that I felt so sad about him liking somebody else because then he ended up breaking up with this girlfriend to get back together with me. And the minute he said that, the minute he said he had broken up with somebody to get back with me, I was like, oh, I don't like you. Oh, I, I, I know I don't like you. So we did this back and forth thing for a while. And then at the end of it, I was thinking that I was ready to like commit. I was like, I am here. Let's get married. I am ready. And really, it was just a desperate attempt at at grabbing onto him and making sure that I didn't lose that, you know, boost in my life, that I didn't lose the person who really, really liked me. And I wasn't, I didn't have to deal with that. So I was like, yeah, let's get married. Let's get married. And he was like, no, I no, I'm like, I'm over you. Like, I don't like you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. Like we've been doing this for four years and you can't just all of a sudden say that you want to get married just so I'll stick around. And he totally called me on it. And I think it was the most painful breakup. Well, I, I've only, I only had like two or three breakups in my life, but it was the most painful because it was like, I really had, I knew that I had to do some, like some inner work. (laughs) Like I knew that I had to figure myself out because I was not committing to that for the right reasons. I was not there for the right reasons, as Chris Harrison would say. But I had to seriously reconsider why I was dating people and the people that I was letting into my life and how I was treating people. I just it really cracked me open. And it was amazing. Now, looking back, like I I was saying earlier, it made me a better partner now but then it was so painful to come to terms with that. It was really hard to like look at myself in the mirror and be like, you know exactly why you're in the position that you're in and you were wrong and you were not good to somebody who was really nice to you for a really long time. So that was hard. That was hard because it was full of self-exploration, which is the worst. That's the worst. Coming to terms with bad things you do is the absolute worst. A big one that I get asked a lot is how do you know if you're in love? How do you know when you're in love? I uh, I just don't, I didn't. I didn't know that I was in love, but I was looking at our life and what our life would look like together and how I felt about Matt. And it just made sense. And I don't think that there was ever a moment that I was like, oh, we did it. We did it, Joe. We're in love. We found love. Here it is. Here's the one, here's the one big love. But the step in front of me just didn't feel scary with Matt. You know, it just didn't feel like, oh, like that might not work. Like every step forward that we took felt very exciting. It felt fun. It felt easy. And I think that the hard truth to come to terms with is that not everybody feels love the same way. Not everybody experiences falling in love the same way. I know that there's people out there who do have that big explosive like, oh my gosh, we knew within the first week and everything was perfect since then. And we've known like, it wasn't like that for me. It was just, it was little baby steps, but the baby steps that we were taking felt really easy. So somebody said, do you really have to love yourself before you can love someone else in a healthy way? I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know if she's saying like I that she disagrees with that, but I think that is an easy yes. I do. I think that that is uh, like if you have deficiencies in yourself, you will fill those in with somebody else. And then if that doesn't work out or if you put too many of your deficiencies in their hands when they leave or when they don't measure up, uh, then those things are still not fulfilled in yourself. I don't know if that's good. I, I feel like if I had a whiteboard, I could explain that. I could explain that better. I remember having a conversation with my brother. I, he and I, we went and saw a movie. We went and saw Silver Linings Playbook. And the whole time my, a guy I was dating was, was sending me texts and he was like kind of, he was being really mean to me and he was saying a bunch of stuff. And I was like on my phone the whole movie. And I knew that my brother was like seeing my texts and we got in the car and he was like, what? what's going on? Like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I was like, what do you mean? I I don't know. I, I, isn't this like what's supposed to happen? And he was like, do you like feel happy? Like without him? Like, are you good? And I was like, no, I'm not good. No, I don't feel happy without him. What do you mean? Like if you're coming into a relationship with sad girl energy, like how can you expect to find any substantial happiness? Like if you can't be 100% sure that you are a happy fulfilled person how can you ever expect somebody else to come in and like fix that and I was like no 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 it's fine because if I'm sad he makes me happy and and like it was the first time that somebody was like that's not how this goes like you shouldn't be sad looking for somebody to make you happy you should be happy looking for somebody to share your happiness with Someone Pinterest quote that. Oh, somebody asked for advice on how to combine finances. I don't know if you mean like logistically, but Matt and I started sharing finances before we got engaged. It's a whole thing. We had we had a lot of reasons. There was a lot going on. We had a lot of reasons why we needed to do it. But we started sharing finances right away. And it was, uh, I mean, not right away when we were dating. We knew we were going to get married and we knew we were going to get engaged. And so we combined finances right after we decided that. But it has been one of our biggest learning curves is how to, because we just were raised so differently in regards to how we talk about money, how we spend money. Um, I was raised more like verbal about money. Like I always want to talk about it. Matt was raised more private. You didn't talk about money. You didn't discuss those things. So we have had to do a lot of really hard conversations. It's like the number one thing we fought about is finances. I think that's like statistically what most people fight about. But it's hard. Yeah, it's really hard to do that and to figure that out. But you just have to have all of the conversations. And you have to be like radically honest with each other about it. You cannot like hold secret money grudges or like hope that your partner's spending will change even if you don't talk to them or like secretly take out money for yourself. We have just had a a rule. There are no secrets about any finances with each other. I mean, at in any capacity, we just don't do it. Like we don't but we did. We did at the beginning. We did at the beginning. We had a lot, a lot of secrets, a lot of secret spending, a lot of secret, all of it. We just, we weren't very good at it. And we've now found that the more honest we can be with each other, the smoother our financial stuff goes. So that's my advice. My advice is to be ridiculously honest with each other. Okay, last one. It says, how on God's green earth can I have high expectations and stay realistic without settling? Well, here's what you do you set your standards and then you literally just don't marry somebody who doesn't have them. Like you just don't date people who don't meet your standards. Like your standards are not too high. So somebody needs to let you guys know that your standards are not too high. 
They're not unrealistic. If you want something in a relationship, nobody should be like, that's unrealistic. Like if you want to marry somebody who is a impressionist painter with a cooking business on the side who's from Maine, like if that is your dream guy, don't don't settle. Like if that is literally what you perceive to be the best match for you and that will make you the most fulfilled and make you the happiest, why why settle? Like stand like you don't have to comply to other people's standards. Like if somebody's like you're never going to find an impressionist painter cook from Maine ever. Like you just say cool, maybe you won't, but I will. And if I don't, then I'm not going to marry somebody who doesn't fit that. But that's my that's my take. I wish I had a song for not settling, but uh, that's always my theme. Don't settle. Love yourself first. Uh, You guys really took to uh, be safe, be kind, be hot. So I guess that is now the theme of the bad broadcast. And I, I say extend that to all of your relationships. Be safe, be kind, be hot. You know, don't settle. Love yourself. All that stuff. All that stuff that you guys are like, Maddie, we get it. You say it all the time. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I just need to keep letting you guys know to take care of yourself. So I hope you all have a wonderful week. I will see my Patreons. I keep trying to think of what to call my Patreons. And somebody said to call them patties. (laughs) Maddie's patties, which I like. (laughs) I liked it a little bit too much. I didn't want something that was like, like, I didn't want like a fan name. Like people are saying, call us like the bad broads and which is so cute, but it just feels like narcissistic. So I like Maddie's patties. So I will see my patties on Wednesday. And if you would like to join us for the Britney conversation, you can sign up at the link in my bio on Instagram. And I will talk to you all soon. I love you so much. Bye. (laughs)